Praise the Lord, this is Brother Julius Adiomi. We are going through the Second Corinthians, the letter of Apostle Paul to the Corinthians, second epistle. Now we are preached in chapter 12 and we are close to the end of chapter 12. We are Apostle Paul in chapter 12 was boasting of himself. He said that he, he was doing it because he said he was doing it foolishly because he knew and he knew that, he, like the book of Proverbs said, let another man praise you and not your own lips. You know that one, that's the word of the wise. He said that these people are gone in the wrong direction, thinking it was a it was this, it was that, it was not as as great as some other apostles that came by. So he wanted to boast of himself. So that's what chapter 12 of Second Corinthians was talking about. Where he talked about all the sufferings that he has suffered for the gospel. He said that is the, the certificate that he that showed that he was serving Christ. Because Christ said that when you are persecuted for righteousness, you are now in the class of prophets. He also went further and talk. I said, we'll talk about revelations and dreams God has shown to him visions. He said, I know somebody. He said, I will not boast of myself. He said, I know somebody that knows something. That's why he said chapter 12. That because in the world, we say, if you know some great people, then you must be important also. So he said, well, I won't boast of myself, but I know somebody that knows something. Okay. So that's why he said, I know somebody that has ascended up to the third heaven. I had unspeakable words. What's that unspeakable words? He said, well, I won't tell you. <laughs> Praise God. But see, that's what he said. He said, I won't glory about myself. I'll glory about people like that that I know. So if you know some great people, you must be important also. That's how the world record. That's what he said. I'm boasting. It's foolishly to be boasting. He said, but you get this. You force me to boast. I will boast because you have been thinking of some other apostles as if they are better than me. That's what he was saying in this letter of Chapter two, chapter eleven, chapter twelve, Apostle Paul's letter, second to Corinthians. Second Corinthians. Now he went further. When we get to the last few passages, he was talking about verse seventeen of Second Corinthians, chapter 11, chapter twelve. So did I make a gain of you by any of them which are whom I sent unto you? I desire Titus, I sent Titus, and with him I sent a brother. Did Titus make a gain of you? Walk we not in the same spirit? Walk we not in the same steps? Say so again, think you that we excuse ourselves unto you. We speak before God in Christ. So that we do all things, dearly beloved, for your edifying. For you say, I fear lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I would, and that I shall be found unto you such as you would not. I mean, he didn't want to come and start yelling and screaming and cursing and, and using the authority he said he has for the education, not for different people. Because if he suddenly says somebody should fall down there and they fall down there, the whole church will be, will be afraid. No? So he didn't want to say that God has the authority to do that. Remember the story in the book of Acts where they say there was one man, Ananias and Sapphira, 
when everybody was donating their clothes and their, their selling their land and bring the money to the uh, to the apostles, he wanted that that praise also. He wanted the recognition, but he didn't want to do it the way everybody does. So he sold his land, but instead of just saying, "Well, uh, we decided to give half of it," if they said we don't want half, keep the rest, keep everything. But he lied and said, "This is everything." And the Holy Ghost moved upon Apostle Peter and said, Are you sure? Is this everything? He said, Yeah, that's everything. So that you can praise him also that, Yeah, Adonaias also brought everything. He sold the house for so much. He brought his land for so much. He brought everything so that everybody can praise him. They have praise of people. So people will see people praise. They want that praise to be. Are you ready to do what they did? Honestly. So that was what happened. Adonaias fell down there when, they, when Apostle Peter was speaking through a mouth of Apostle Peter. So you have not lied unto me, you have lied unto God. And then I fell down there. That's like the authority that Apostle Paul said. We have authority like that. That is to edify the body, not to destroy people. And you remember, remember the wife of Ananda came by and Peter now confronted that woman. Your husband said something. Is that how much you sold it? Because they colluded together. Oh yeah, that's how much you sold it. And Apostle Peter said, you also fall down there. And the woman also fall down there. That put fear in the believers. That is really what Apostle Paul said. He has the authority to do anything like that if there is any sin in the camp. See? But he said that he, when he comes, he will better come so that there will be love and kindness and joy and well, not a fear and trembling. He said, lest I, lest I come and shall not be found, I shall not find you such as I would, and that I shall be found unto you such as you would not. So let there be debates, envy, wrath, strife. People are fighting one another in the household of God and he came by. And they are still at loggerheads with all of that, and he has to be caught in the between or backbitings or whispering or swellings and swimmers. Unless when I come again, my God will humble me among you. Now, when we go into the midst of congregation, the Holy Ghost can make you weep and shed tears. You don't know why, because the Holy Ghost sees some sin in the camp, your camp, your camp of your brethren. And it can make you begin to shed tears and weep, and you don't know why. People don't know why you are weeping at him unless the Holy Ghost reveal it to them. Reveal it to you. And Apostle Paul said, The Holy Ghost can humble him. And I say, If Holy Ghost humble me among you, and that I shall bewail many which have sinned already and have not repented of the uncleanness and fornication and that which they have committed. So, Holy Ghost can make you cry and shed tears. You don't know why you are crying, but you can reveal to you that you are among these believers. They claim to be believers that many of them are this, many of them are that, and you begin to weep in the spirit. The weeping is to make to make you sorrow for them. That has happened many times in our life. We sorrow for the people that uh, we don't know why, we don't know the secret of what they are doing secretly, but the Holy Ghost can reveal it if he wants to, but it may just make people be sorrowful for them. Because they think they are on their right path, but they are on their way to hell. But if you are sorrowful, you may have to pray with sincerity of heart for God to have mercy upon them. Now let's go to the last chapter, chapter 13. So Apostle Paul was saying, let God will make him to humble himself, to be where many that have sinned and have not repented. But the body of Christ should not be living in sin. You should have repented. If you fall into offense, cry unto God immediately because your, your spirit will convict you. And then you should repent before anybody tells you about it. If you keep carrying it along as if nobody knows, and you are coming to the first place, nobody knows, and you keep doing it secretly, or you have not repented, ask God to forgive you, and just think oh, it's all over because nobody knows about it. The Holy Ghost is just it's like what happened to King David. When he committed you know, secretly, he committed adultery with Bathsheba. Also. 
and to cover it up, he invited the husband of Bathsheba to come from the war front. And when that man would not go into his wife to sleep together so that he can know that he was the one that impregnated his, his wife, he couldn't cover it up like that. So he, he secretly he had, he commanded that man to be killed in the war. And he thought everything is over, and it's covered, everything, everything is covered up. And very soon he married this woman, as now she's now a widow. Almost like to sort to help the woman, my woman, but God kept quiet. Almost a year passed, the baby was born. The baby that he impregnated the woman in adultery, the baby was born and kept God kept quiet. People have said, nobody knows about this thing. So kind of kept it quiet. And then the God sent the prophet to him to tell him that God knows about these things and you have not repented. You've killed, you've stolen a, 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 a man's wife and killed the man. Which means he was guilty of death and King David went to sorrow. And God said, you know that there's a lot of things will happen in your family. That was really an example that things can be happening, people doing sickly and they thought nobody knows about it. So they kept quiet. But God has seen it. That's why you, as a believer in Christ, better repent if you something you have done wrong. Cry unto God for repent and repent so that God is cleansing you. But if you think nobody, you are forgetting Christ that is in our midst. That he has seen you already. There's nobody in the church knows about it. No, nobody knows about it. You just keep quiet. You just keep coming to the fellowship. Oh, singing praise with them. Worshipping God with them. And God is God has seen what you have done. You have not fallen over your face and said, Lord, I did this. I'm sorry for repent and forgive. And you thought for God is far, far away. You didn't know about it. And nobody knows about it. So you are not ashamed. No shame, not, no shame come to you. That is the dangerous part. If you are a seed of God, you might you better repent. If you are not a seed of God, that may be meaning that you are actually on your way to hell, lake of fire. So your church going does not mean anything if you are on your way to lake of fire. So that is what Apostle Paul is referring to that and said, God be all boom, I will be well many that have sinned already and have not repented of all their uncleanness and fornication and that. So if you have sinned and you claim to be a believer, repent and call on the Lord to take to forgive you and cleanse you. That's why Apostle John in his first episode said, if we confess our sins, it's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So don't think, uh, since nobody knew about this thing you have done secretly, so, so you forget about this as if time will erase it. Time does not erase until you cry unto God and ask for forgiveness. If you are a believer in it, God can't go let you be forgiven you. First chapter 13, now let's go to chapter 13. Now, this is the third time I am coming to you, this Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthians, in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. So he's quoting that that's the testimony in the word of God that says, if you, before you take anybody to, to, to be guilty, you have to hear from two witnesses or three. So he said, he's using that as if I'm coming the third time to you guys, and he said, to be like a, a witness to you guys that I have witnessed two times, three times. I told you before, I foretell you, I foretell you, and I foretell you as if I were present the second time. And being absent now, I write to them which heretofore absent and to all other that if I come again, I will not spare. When you say, well, What's he going to do? They have sinned, they have not repented. I will not spare. It means that he's going to cast them out of the midst of the congregation. I know in this generation, if somebody is going to this congregation and they found out that his sin has been discovered and he's not repentant, they say, don't come to our midst anymore. In this generation, they just leave that church and go join another church. 
with their sin. Because they don't announce it, the church they join, they don't know that they were carrying some baggages of sin. And then the church is spiritual themselves. Because many churches are just lukewarm, they're just a congregation of gathering of people that are that are not spiritual. So people don't know who comes. They just fellowship with one another and not, doesn't know whether he's saved or not. And that is the danger in this generation. People who are in the midst of congregation, we don't know whether they are saved. And we turn the church and say, the church is just a hospital. Come as you are. And they come, homosexual could come in the midst and never repent and still be sleeping with a, a homosexual partner in the house. Nobody go to the house alone. And they, they are deceiving themselves, all right? They're not deceiving God. And the church members that don't know about this are not deceiving that we are not deceived. But if you preach the truth in the, your church, just preach the word of God, it might hit them that homosexuality is a sin they have to repent of. If you never talk, talk about the offenses and the sins, they can be in your church for five years. Nobody corrected them and they keep coming and donate their money and they will be praised for doing big money. That is the danger. But are these people going to be saved by being a member of church doesn't save them? You have to be born again and live for Christ. Live for Christ. Live for Christ. Well, so very important that we we so if you are going to be a body of believers, we better be the true body of believers. If somebody just come to join the church, it shouldn't be as stupid. Some God, don't, don't just you do Bible breaking of bread and you say anybody can come to break bread. No, I don't agree with that. It's the breaking of bread is for the body of Christ. The true believers. So when you have Sunday service where everybody is gathered, both sinners are invited, and they are hearing the word, and the, those who have committed their life to Christ, when there is a time for breaking of bread, they are the true believers, disciples that are the breaking bread, because you are memory lost them until they come. And it's a super, that's why the breaking of bread is to be a, an ordinance that we heal our body and cleanse us. So examine yourself, cleanse yourself from all righteousness. That's not the time where you say oh, any visitor that is not a believer. Are you, are you, are you, are you not even sure whether you are believers or not? But they see you eating bread and they want to eat bread too. Unless unless you design that, you are you are not doing it right. That's what I say. You are not doing it right. If you, For example, I can be a visitor in a church. If I go and visit a particular church, they do not know me much, but I know I'm a safe person. And that's maybe a stranger to them. But I am committed to Christ, and if they are also committed to Christ, and they say, anybody that wants to break bread, wait after the church. And I want to break bread with them, I can break bread with them. Someone said, but you are a stranger, why are you, why do they, what should they allow you? Well, if I, if I say I want to be the, have the right to ask me, are you born again? If I have introduced myself as a born again believer, and so and so, then we are brothers. So I'm no more a stranger. But I'm talking to people that just walk and you see, you know they are unbelievers and you know they have not been born again. And then you say, well, just come out and eat the bread. No, you shouldn't back and eat the bread. But if he gave his life to Christ in that on that church service or that day, and you see, you invite people to come to Christ, and he came forward among them, and he was laid down upon, he prayed, and he started in prayer, then he's born again. We believe he's born again. Even though that was the first time of being a visitor of your church, and he has confess Christ as we say in our prayer, then we accept him as born again. Then if we say, everybody that wants to receive the breaking of bread, leave it, then he can wait behind. Fine. And our children that are being raised in the world, they also can wait behind and partake of the breaking of bread. But if not, if that's not the case, just a stranger that is just coming in to visit, 
and uh, some people eating bread, we partake of bread. So names. But if you if you organize it rather and tell the people that don't eat these things unless you have committed your life to Christ, then he's committed. He, he's hearing that and he make up his mind to still eat it. Then he's confessing that he wants to commit to start to Christ when he has committed to Christ. So because that's between him and the Lord. Because the Bible Apostle Paul said, you don't want to eat condemnation to yourself if you partake of the body and blood of the of Christ, the body and blood of Christ unworthily. So anyone that is a stranger that does not know what they are, they just want to eat that bread, they should announce that first condition chapter 11 to him that don't eat this meat unworthily unless you have committed your life to Christ. And if he has and he partake of it, then it is between him and the Lord. So it's not a problem. But some churches say, well, it's okay to just invite. No, we, we have to do it right. If you are going to get the right thing, want you to bless us, we have to do it right. God bless you. Now let's continue in First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, we are reading chapter 13. And here is verse 2 that we are reading. Apostle Paul said, I told you before and foretell you as if I were present the second time and being absent now I write to them which heretofore have sinned and to all other that I, if I come again I will not spare. I say, what's he going to do? He's going to cast them out of the church, out of his congregation. Since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you word is not weak, but is mighty in you. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he lived by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Examine yourself. Now he's exhorting the Corinthians. Examine yourself whether ye be in the faith. Individually, you examine yourself the way you are conducting your life. Are you in the faith? Is that the way Christ excelled to walk? Apostle Paul has laid down. This is the way of believers. Gentile church. Examine yourself whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates? He said Christ is in us. So you should be able to prove yourself by searching the scriptures and say, This is what the Lord expected from us. The Bible, the word of God is a mirror for which to search our hearts and see that we are walking properly the way the Lord wants us to walk. See, uh, unless you are reprobates. Reprobate means they don't have Christ in them. See, but I trust that ye shall know that we are not reprobates. Now, I pray to God that ye do no evil. Not that we should appear approved, but that ye should do that which is honest, though we be as reprobates. For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak and ye are strong, and this also we wish, even your perfection. Therefore, I write these things, being absent, lest being present, I should use sharpness, according to the power which the Lord has given me to edification and not to destruction. This is the second time he's saying it. He say he could use sharpness if when you come to the armies. Sharpness means authoritative word instead of kind and loving and gentle word. An authoritative word will make somebody to tremble. When when Apostle Peter told Ananias, said, "Thou hast not, thou hast not uh, lied unto me; you have lied unto God." Ananias fell down there. Now, when Anna, when Apostle Peter was now to face Ananias' wife Sapphira, he was not saying that same tone. He said, "Did you guys did that? Did you say the same amount?" He said, "Yeah." He said, "No." She has also lied. Now, Apostle Peter was the one that pronounced the judgment upon Sapphira, Sapphira the wife. Say, well, you both have collided. 
to do to 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 deceive the Holy Ghost or to tell us the Holy Ghost, those that bury your husband and just come back and they are going to take you out also. And the woman fell down there because she didn't even know about her husband has been dead also. So that is the authority of Apostle Paul saying that God have authority in his household. For edification, not to be destroying people, but it can be used for judgment because he has he has to say, cast this pain, deliver this man unto Satan. And in the same time, I'm giving some correction to some people and saying, be careful. God allowed many of the some ministers to have spiritual rod. And what is this spiritual rod? I remember the Lord appeared to me in a vision many years when I when he was sending me out. When the Lord was sending me out, I was on a three-day fast. Universal Ife, and at the end of that three day fast, and I was coming down, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, Pick a rod in your hand. And I just took a stick, physical stick, in the jungle and brought it with me. And I was using like a walking stick on campus. People thought I was weird, you know, like weird, and like a whole prophet holding a walking stick. Because the Holy Ghost said, Pick a rod in your hand, I was coming out of that mountain on that day. But you see, that was symbolizing what he showed to me in the vision. In the vision later, he showed to me where I was in the vision. Lord said, pick up this rod in the vision. And I pick up that rod. That's a spiritual rod. The physical one that I took on the mountain was symbolizing to me physically that he was giving me a spiritual rod in the vision. And that spiritual rod, if you have read some of my book, you will see the testimony of only that spiritual rod that did some signs and wonders that not God wanted me to know. And I have been in visions where some spirits wanted to wrestle that spiritual rod away from my hand because they knew what it meant. They knew the authority that that spiritual rod I was holding in my hand in the spirit, what it meant. So they wanted to take it away from me and they couldn't because it was God that gave it to me in that vision. And I've been in a vision where I was falling sick and then as you, I was in the vision where I took my spiritual rod and a board, a physical, a board in the spirit. A board in the spirit run away and I followed that board in the spirit and whipped the board with that spiritual rod and the board was smitten. So that was what the Lord was showing that he has given rod to me to judge some satanic spirits. That is for my ministry of course. Now, the Lord has given us spiritual rod like that to specific ministries. And that is what Apostle Paul said, he has authority, is for delivering the body of Christ, not for judging the believer, is for driving demons out or satanic spirits that wanted to resist the authority of the Lord of God, drive them out by the rod of the Son of God, the rod of the Lord Jesus Christ that we have in our hand. It's making sense that we shall judge the world with a rod of iron, it's also an example of that. Apostle Paul was using that example and say he has a, a, a power which the Lord has given him to edification and not to destruction. So the rod God gave to me is not for not for chastising anybody, it's for driving demons out in the spirit world, resisting the devil. There was another vision where a satanic priest was coming against the church, a body of Christ, and I found myself in a priestly garment in that vision, a priestly garment, with my rod of God in my hand, and whip that satanic spirit and he fled from that congregation. That is what God is talking about. It's a spiritual rod, but it has to be given to men that are defending the flock and that is what God is doing and he's giving it at specific time to specific people that are prayer warriors and that he has sent out and that's what Apostle Paul is referring to when he said God has given him a power which the Lord has given me to edification not to destruction for the body of Christ is for edification that's why he gave us more knowledge to be able to exhort, teach 
correct in the body of Christ, but the road is for driving satanic spirits that we try to confront the congregation, that we try to hinder the congregation, that we have to hinder the body of Christ, and the road will come in the spirit and beat that devil away. And that is what Apostle Paul is alluding to also here. And he went further in verse, verse 11 and he's going to wrap up his letter. Finally, brethren, fear well. Be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. Now look at that. After he has spoken all the chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 11, as if he was hungry, as if he was, and now he's talking softly at the end. So this last part, the start of our rule or erase everything he has spoken in chapter 11, chapter 12 of his boasting of his bragging and say, he, uh, no, it's just after he spoke and wrote in powerful words, then he come back and wrote in gentle words because he's like a father to his children. Think of that. Your father may be angry when you are little and you did something wrong. Your father was angry and beat the big baby, pam, 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 and the baby is crying and yelling and screaming. But after a while, the father cooled and calmed down, and the baby is not going to be thrown out of the house. The father will finally later carry the baby and hug the baby. But you are the one that was beating the baby just now. Yeah, that's over. The baby has learned a lesson, and she's and now you are. The baby is not comforted, the baby is back in the father's arm. That is really an example of what you see in Apostle Postal. It's all this screaming and yelling and talking about and say, I have authority, I can, I can talk sharply to you guys in verse 10. Now he said, Finally, he's not talking softly to wrap up his letter. Finally, brethren, fear well, be perfect, be of good comfort, be of warm mind, live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you. Greet one another with an holy kiss. Now, the apostles in the old time, they always say that. Greet one another with an holy kiss. What is an holy kiss? Well, a kiss. Well, just as whatever it is, is you show love, love for another. Not that you should put your tongue in somebody else's tongue or kiss, unless it's your wife, of course, or your spouse. But you say, holy kiss is just, sometimes you kiss one another in the sheep. In every country they do different ways. But it's a sign of loving one another, kiss one another, it's a kiss, whether you just or just blow kisses is what they do in that generation to show that they are in love with one another, we love one another, we love the Lord Jesus Christ, we are one body in Christ, we are together in this thing. But starting say all the saints salute you. Who are the saints? All the believers around Apostle Paul. But on the other side where he was writing letters, they are saluting you guys as well. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. Now that last verse is what many churches use to wrap up their Sabbath. Or in our church, we sometimes use it and say, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the communion of the Holy Ghost be with us now and forevermore. Which is like a prayer for everybody. And that is how he wrap up this second Corinthians chapter 13. Now let me put some in the last few verses, Bible verses point to some key verses in this book that we can re refresh our mind in. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8, Apostle Paul mentioned the fact that we are to change from glory unto glory. Don't forget that. Verse chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, not verse 8, verse 18. And when we are at that chapter 3, we mentioned that we are changing from glory unto glory because we are to come to the image of the Son of God. That's what he said in verse 18. 
Say the Lord is that spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, but we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory unto glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. Remember that Bible verse is key Bible verse in this second question letter, telling us that God is changing us from glory unto glory. As we behold the image of our Lord Jesus Christ by faith, as we study the Word of God and we follow the Word of God and we use the Word of God as the mirror for ourselves, we are beholding His image. His image is in the Word. And as we see ourselves, we sense it to be corrected, you correct it, walking in the Word of God. So that's how we only go in us. We use that Word that we are patterning our life with, that we are exercising, and we are exercising love, exercising patience, exercising our faith. Holy Ghost is using that word we are using to, to form ourselves. We make it to change us from glory unto glory until we become like Him. That is the image of the Son of God. Because that was what is the plan of God for us to become like Christ Jesus. And in summary, this is what Apostle Paul also mentioned in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. When he said, God puts all these ministries in the body of Christ for the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all, that's in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, 12, and 13. First, I said, He puts all these ministries in the body of Christ to perfect us, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So I pray that the Lord will make you to understand that everything we are teaching is to bring you to that perfection of the fullness of Christ. And we, that is the end of the second Corinthians. God bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we will continue this message in the next broadcast. The Bible said, Precept shall be upon precept, line upon line. A little there, a little there. And I pray that you will not miss the next broadcast so that you can build upon that which you have just learned today. The Bible said, Faith Comment by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In, in other words, we can say faith coming by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. It's not just a one-time shot. You must keep hearing the word so that your faith can be built up. We shall continue this message in the next broadcast. Don't miss the next broadcast. God bless you.